Walters is open for lunch Monday through Friday. Walters opens at noon for lunch, midday baseball watching, and even the occasional European soccer match. So if you find yourself around the ballpark during the day, make sure you walk on over to Walters. Friday night, Walters is the place to be. Grab a bite to eat and watch the Caps puck drop in Boston before walking over to the ballpark for Nats and O's. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Schwarber's one for nine in the series and swings and he skies one to left field toward the corner, way back, and gone goodbye. Back-to-back home runs. Just a few pitches apart. Schwarber goes yard to left on a 1-0 pitch from Williams. It's the Nationals 2 and the Cubs nothing. Ross trying to end it here. His 2-2 pitch is hit deep to right field toward the corner. Way back there, and it is gone. Ian Happ with a line drive two-run homer, his fifth of the year. And the Cubs lead for the first time 3-2. And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, May 21st, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. A road trip that had promise, a road trip that offered hope, ends up being a 3-4 and four trip for the Nationals. They lose for an 11th time in 16 games, end up dropping three of four games at the Chicago Cubs, a 5-2 loss at Wrigley Field on Thursday afternoon as the Nationals score three runs or less for a 12th time in 17 games. You know, we asked the Nats to score early. They actually did that on Thursday afternoon. Back-to-back homers from Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber with two outs in the top of the first, but that ended up being it for the Nationals offense in the game, and another loss is the ultimate result. This has actually happened a few times now, Al, where they do take the early lead, just like Davey's been pleading with them, and then they go silent the rest of the way. That's a troubling trend in itself. We've brought this up numerous times, but it's like they get their one or two chances a game to do something offensively. And if they don't get it, that's it. They were in this game. It was four to two most of the way, eventually got to five to two. But did you ever feel like they were seriously going to make an attempt to come back in this thing? No, it just never felt like they had any momentum going. And that's an indictment of a lineup that already, as we know, has been rough this year. But especially a lineup like this today, when Gomes is sitting, Harrison is sitting, Robles is sitting after hurting his ankle, and Zimmerman's not in there for Bell. I know Bell homered, but still, you know, look at the big picture numbers. I mean, they're five through nine today. Castro, Avila, Mercer, the pitcher, and Stevenson was not real imposing on paper, and it wasn't real imposing in actual performance either. That was a rough day, and unfortunately, it kind of felt like that was going to happen when you saw who was out there. 
Yeah, and those guys all kind of lived up to who they are. Alex Avila went 0 for 3 with a walk and three strikeouts. Jordy Mercer went 0 for 4 with two strikeouts. Andrew Stevenson went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts. A game in which the Nationals are facing a pitcher in Trevor Williams, who has not been good so far this season. And it's not like he was lights out in this game, but the Nats again failed to feast on a bad starting pitcher. Nats finished with six hits, three walks, strikeout 14 times. And maybe as telling as anything, Three at-bats the entire game with runners in scoring position. 0 for 3, that ends up being it. There's some bigger picture stuff we're going to get to coming up in just a bit. But we should note what happened on the mound for the Nationals on Thursday afternoon. Joe Ross struggled again. Four runs, two earned in three and two-thirds innings. And yes, Eric Fetty is on the COVID-19 injured list. That's true. But because he's been vaccinated, the expectation is that he won't be out that long. Steven Strasburg is coming back. That is now official. Davey Martinez said that. So Strauss will be starting game one against the Orioles on Friday night. But could it be, Mark, that Ross was bad enough to where when Fetty's ready to come back, he does in fact end up taking Ross's spot in the rotation? Yeah, I think that's much more of a reality now than maybe it was a week ago. And you know, we had been bringing this up for a while and wondering, especially after Fetty's last start, was there a case for him over Joe Ross. And if Eric Fetty doesn't have to go on the COVID IL right now, I think it would be a fairly easy decision, to be honest. I think he would be the one that won't be happening now. Obviously, Strasburg is taking Fetty's spot on Friday. Now, here's where it gets tricky. And I don't think they really know the answer to this yet. Fetty is in quarantine. And Davey Martinez said that for the moment, they still have to find a way to get him and Tanner Rainey back to DC. They can't fly on the team plane because they're isolated even though Fetty is vaccinated and not feeling any symptoms. Uh, we don't know the status of, of Rainey uh, other than he was deemed a close contact. So I don't know if Fetty's going to be able to get the work in that he needs the next few days to maybe be ready to come back quickly. So Joe Ross may get another start just for that reason alone, and then they may you know have to wait a little while till that happens. But whenever it does occur and Eric Fetty is deemed cleared to return, I think there's absolutely the stronger case for him to stay in the rotation than Joe Ross because these last two starts especially have just not been sharp at all. Yeah, like we said, Ross's line, four runs, two run, three and two-thirds innings. Five hits, gave up a homer and four singles, a walk and a hit by pitch versus three strikeouts on 78 pitches. It's been such an odd year for Joe Ross so far. I mean, by my count now, he's had three really bad starts, including this one on Thursday afternoon. The other five starts have been good. The other five starts, he's got an ERA under two. He's got an ERA of 163, but the three bad ones have been bad. And these two most recent starts have been really poor. And, you know, some of the stuff we saw on Thursday afternoon gives up a run in the bottom of the fourth, a one-out seven-pitch walk, and Nick Martini had Martini down at 1.02, couldn't put him away. Then came a two-out single by the Cubs starting pitcher, Trevor Williams, then came a two-out RBI single by Jock Peterson. You know, there was, to an extent in this series, a lot of like nickel and diming by the Cubs and some blue pits and singles given up by Nats pitchers. But still, Ross wasn't good. He hasn't been good over these last two starts. And uh, if not for the COVID-19 thing with Fetty, I think it's pretty clear Fetty would be remaining in the rotation. Was good to see some of the stuff we saw from the Nats bullpen on Thursday afternoon. Like if you're looking for some kind of positive, I thought the bullpen did a nice job. One run in four and a third innings from four Nats relievers. Kyle McGowan won into third scoreless innings. And Will Harris, you know, this is one of those things maybe he can build on here because he's got to get himself going. Two batters in the bottom of the eighth, couple of outs, striking out Anthony Rizzo 
on four pitches. But that's about it. And even the bullpen wasn't immune to having a boo-boo here. Austin Voth got God once again, giving up a leadoff homer to Ian Happ on an 0-2 pitch in the bottom of the fifth inning. You know, the Cubs are a pesky team. They're not clearly what they were in like, you know, 2015, 2016, that time period. But man, I tell you, in this series, it just felt like the Cubs, they put the ball in play. They did the things that needed to be done. And the Nationals were like always two steps behind it at like every point in the series, it felt like. So I was going to say at the end of this week, I don't feel like I'm watching the Cubs and saying, oh boy, that's a really good team. That's a, that's a true contender. Right. No, I didn't feel like that at all. Now their bullpen has been very good and they made mincemeat of the Nats lineup in this game for certain. But no, I mean, every one of these games kind of felt like it was there for the taking and it just didn't happen. You're right. They put the bat on the ball when they needed to. They took the extra base when they needed to. Nico Horner was diving all over the place at second base, making every single play over there. So yeah, sometimes the little things are enough, but you know what else they did? And we mentioned this the other night. They hit the ball in the air and at Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out. That's all it takes. Those were not towering home runs. Nobody hit the scoreboard like Juan Soto did the other night. These ones landed in the basket, hovering right above the ivy. The Nationals just can't get the ball in the air other than those two back-to-back homers at the start in the first inning. But the rest of the game, it's ground balls and strikeouts. And that to me is so troubling. Like I'm not a fan of just like, oh, just hit the ball in the air no matter what. I mean, there are time and a place for that. But at Wrigley Field in the afternoon with the wind blowing out on a, on a warm day, just hit the ball in the air, see if something might happen, if it might carry. That to me was really aggravating about this game. That's also had another key out on the base paths, although in this case, it's by a guy who's been excellent on the base paths in Trey Turner. But one of the key moments in the game, the strike him out, throw him out, double play, Juan Soto batting, Trey Turner on first. That's exactly what you want. He is running. Pitch. Swing and a miss. The throw down by Higgins. The tag by Baez. Double play. So Soto grounded into a double play in the first inning, strikes out into a double play here in the third inning. And Trey Turner ends up getting caught stealing on the strike him out, throw him out, double play, uh, falls to eight for nine on stolen bases on the season. So that was a killer to see. There was some sloppiness too. Stalin Castro had a couple of errors in this game. You know, it's just, it's another game in which the Nats don't do enough to win, don't do enough offensively, and end up going down with a loss here. And, you know, it's been that kind of year for the Nationals. Like, they've never been on a skid where you say, oh my God, the season's falling apart. But they clearly have never been on any kind of a run where you feel like the team has caught fire. I mean, the longest winning streak so far has been four games. And since that season best four game winning streak to get to 12 and 12, the Nationals are five and 11. I mean, it's been a really rough stretch here over the last few weeks. And like we said, three and four on this road trip, you know, you're losing series after series. I mean, if if you break down a season that way, it's been like a lot of series losses for the Nationals so far. And so with the record now 17 and 23, The Nationals have reached about the quarter mark of the season, right? 162 games, you're at 40 games. There's still so much that can change. There's still so much of the season to be had, and so many things can evolve. But it's not early anymore to where you say, well, you know, you can't really take too much stock of this. Like, no, I think you can 40 games into the season. I think pretty clearly the biggest concern is the offense, and it just has not gotten going. The question is, is it going to get going? Do you have faith, do you have belief in this offense being significantly better at some point this season? Or do you think this is essentially what's going to be the case for the bulk of this year? So here's what's strange about that. Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber had a really nice road trip. Collectively, I think they hit five homers between them, hit well over 300 on base over 400. 
they're basically doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And that wasn't enough to win enough games for them. And so that to me is is surprising and maybe a little bit telling too that it's not just as simple as those two getting going. I think bigger than that, of course, is Juan Soto needs to become Juan Soto again. We saw glimpses of it Wednesday night, to be sure. We did not see it on Thursday. It was a rough game, a double play. Like you said, the strike him out, throw him out, a ground ball to first. He needs to turn into Juan Soto again. And they just need all of these guys to be going at the same time. And I think that's the concerning thing here is that they don't have enough depth where, you know, one of those big four hitters gets hot and that's enough. Like, no, they're going to need them all to be doing something because the bottom half of the lineup is not really imposing. So on the one hand, I'd say, okay, yeah, Bell and Schwarber are getting better. That's a good sign. You know, Soto is going to figure it out. Trey Turner's having a great year so far. Like that should result in more than three runs a game, but it's not. And I don't know if that's a timing thing. They're just not coming through with hits at the right time. I don't know if it's a lineup construction issue. I don't know if it's just the fact that the bottom half of the lineup isn't doing much. But that to me is a concern because this is who they are. There's nobody else coming to save the lineup. This is their lineup for the long haul. So you've got to hope that not only they get going here, but that they start bunching it together and doing it in succession and not just little bits here and there. That part of it is strange to me. So I think two things for me have really stood out with the offensive struggles throughout the year. The first one is one I've talked a lot about, which is this over-reliance on like 50-50 guys or guys who could be good, but they're not certainties to be good. And you've gotten burned by that, right? You've gotten burned by Josh Bell. Up until recently, you got burned by Kyle Schwarber. You got scorched by Carter Keeboom. I mean, the extent to which that was a failure really can't be overstated. And, you know, in some ways, you've gotten burnt by Victor Robles. He's been better lately. I wish we'd see more of him in the leadoff spot. But, I mean, it's not like he's been lights out this year. You know, it's it's, it's still been kind of a an up-and-down offensive season for Victor. So I, I think you start there. Like, the Nats went into the season with, okay, these are our guys. And if they don't work out, well, we're not quite sure what to do. And that's a problem. And it's come back to bite the Nats. But the other thing is the depth the lack of length in the lineup. You know, you have some teams in the majors that are ultra deep, ultra lengthy, right? The Dodgers come to mind. The Rays have come to mind in recent years. Then you have kind of middle of the pack teams in terms of depth and lineup length. Like when the Nats won the World Series in 2019, they had some depth. You know, they had some length. They weren't like the deepest team in baseball, but they clearly proved to be a team that had multiple options in some different spots, that kind of a thing. This team, this season for the Nationals, this is what you call a shallow team. Like, this is about as shallow of a team as I've ever seen with the Nationals, at least in the era in which they've been good, where it's just, there's nothing. I mean, there are no options here. Like, who Davey puts out there is who Davey's going with. And looking at the lineup for this game on Thursday, and you brought it up, I mean, Jordy Mercer batting in the seventh spot, Alex Avila in the sixth spot, like, this is what their lineup looks like? You know, I know you're resting some regulars, but like, this is what they go with? This is the kind of depth they're putting forward? And that's not changing, especially with the state of the farm system, as we've discussed. Its farm system is not in great shape, and that's not going to change over the course of the remaining, you know, what, three and a half months of this season. And I think that, as much as anything, is what's concerning here, is that for whatever reason, whether Mike Rizzo wasn't allowed to do more in the offseason or if he thought he had done more than he actually did, they, on paper, are a very underwhelming team. And it really stands out when you look at some of these other teams across the majors, like, it's one thing to be in the Nats bubble and to say, well, this guy's okay and that guy can be good. You do the compare and contrast with the, especially the really good teams. It's not even a competition, man, in terms of what the Nats have and what, what some of these other teams are putting out there. So here's the thing about what you're just talking about, the lack of depth in the lineup. And on a day like this, 
when he does give some regular days off, which, you know, it's a day game after a night game. That's completely understandable. Jan Gomes isn't catching every day. Josh Harrison is playing more than he was supposed to. Uh, Victor Robles got hurt the night before. Well, if you're going to sit multiple starters, the players you're now plugging in instead of them are not up to snuff. And look, Andrew Stevenson's a nice, solid fourth outfielder. That's fine. But he's not a super threat at the plate on a regular basis. Jordy Mercer, the same thing. He's a utility infielder. Alex Avila is known for his glove, not for his bat. So when you're doing all of those guys on the same day, that's when it leaves you with a lineup like this. And that's where, and I'm not saying this would have made the whole difference in the game, but if you're going to sit all of them, then do you have to start Zimmerman just to make sure you have one other big bat somewhere in there? And I know you're benching Bell to do that and Bell hit the home run and all that. Okay. But if you're going to sit multiple starters on a given day, you got to at least the rest of the lineup has to be your best possible hitters. And right now Zimmerman is probably their third, maybe even second best hitter behind Trey Turner and maybe arguably behind or ahead of Juan Soto. And yet another game where, by the way, Zimmerman never appeared. You know, the pitcher spot was up next. He never got to come up in the ninth inning. And when you only have so many options, you just got to play your best options as much as possible. And that's not happening. And so if you're going to give the guys days off, there's just not that depth there. And I, I do wonder if, you know, it's still early and that it's May, you can't really get a lot of trade talk going right now, but maybe a month from now in late June, you can start talking about that to try to bring in a, for lack of better comparison here, like an Asdrubal Cabrera type that sort of, he may not be a star player, but somebody who can be plugged into a lineup on given days, come off the bench, maybe play more than one position and give you some depth on these days when you do need to rest starters. So I think this is going to be so interesting with the Nationals. If they continue along this path, I think Mike Rizzo's got to ask the hard question of, is it worth it to trade for offensive help for this team? Because given the state of the farm system, do you really want to be spending prospects to get a guy to help out a lineup for a team that, what, is going to end up winning 84 games? Like, what would be the point of that? You know, like, at some point, Rizzo's going to have to ask himself that question of, what are we doing here this season? And maybe is this a season in which you just kind of let the thing sink and, you know, you try again next year, that sort of a thing. But I don't know that one guy's going to fix anything. For this thing to really turn around, right? Soto's got to catch fire. Turner's got to continue to do as he's done. Schwarber's got to stay right. Josh Bell has got to really rise up. And, and you need at least one other person to emerge here. That's asking for a lot. I mean, that, you know, and the other thing too is, I know the Nats have dealt with certainly the COVID-19 absences early in the season and Soto missed time due to injury, but good number of these guys have stayed healthy this year. Like Trey Turner has not missed time. You know, you've not missed like, say, I don't know, like Jan Gomes since the, since the COVID-19 stuff, all those guys have been healthy. It's really been the, the Soto injury. And so that was significant. That's true. But teams have dealt with worse in terms of guys missing time due to injury. You know, at some point you wonder, especially with the extent to which Davies had to lean on some of these guys this year because of the lack of depth if the injuries do start to pile up. And if that happens, you know, and if this becomes a situation where like you're missing multiple regulars, then what? Like it's one thing to not be very deep in April and May. What's going to happen come July and August if you start to get some injuries with this team? That could really make things ugly. Yeah. So a couple things here. Come Friday, when Steven Strasburg is activated, they are essentially at 100% health now. Fetty and Rainey will be on the IL, you know, not diminish their importance, but all the big names are going to be there on the active roster. So that is not an excuse. Injuries is not the problem here. And you're right. In 2019, when things were really bad in late May, it was right around this time, May 24th, you knew they were getting several big name position players back from the injured list. And that's not the case right now. They can't hang their hat on that. It's going to have to come from within. Now, Strasburg being back, if 
he stays healthy, if he is effective, and these are big questions as well, that's going to be a boost for the rotation. And ultimately, that may have to be their path here. They may need a lights out rotation one through five or at least one through four so that they can win games three to two and not need their offense to produce more than that. It's a lot to ask. As we've been saying, the margin for error for this team, the path to victory is very slim, but that may ultimately be what they're going to have to do. These next 40 games is what's going to decide the answer to your question before about what Mike Rizzo does. 80 games in, that's when you have to make that call. Are we buyers? Are we sellers? Are we standing pat? So they have another 40 to figure it out. These next 40, you're going to have to go much better than the first 40 did for him to be able to be in a position that he says, yes, let's go for it. If they play another 40 games like this, or God forbid worse, now it's a different story come July. Yeah. And if this does keep up, that Max Scherzer issue is going to pop up of if this is a season going nowhere, if this is a team going nowhere, and Max is continuing to be lights out, I think 100% the Nationals should be on board with trading Max Scherzer to try to help replenish the farm system. I don't know that the Nats will have the chops to do that. I know there are some people who don't want to hear about this, okay? But this to me, like if you're a smart GM, this is the way that you're thinking. And we're not at that point yet, okay? So we're not doing the Max Scherzer trade conversation on this installment of the show. But this is something to keep in the back of your mind. That could be a very enticing trade chip that the Nationals could deploy later in the season if things continue to go poorly. But we're not there yet. And that is the good news. I mean, for all of the struggles, and the Nats have had a lot of obstacles and a lot of things go wrong so far, they're 17 and 23. You know, you're you're not looking at a team that's like, you know, 15 and 25 or something like that. You're not looking at a team that, you know, is just buried in a division that's really tough. That's another thing working in the Nats' favor. National League East has been underwhelming so far. You know, you look around baseball, the American League East, as we're taping this podcast right now, is four teams, each with a winning percentage of at least 560. Nats are not in division like that. The Nats are in a very underwhelming National League East here. So that's the good news for the Nationals. There is still very much a path to this season being a good season, but you're not there yet. And if you're being honest and objective about things, you may never get there this season. I mean, right now, this season feels a whole lot more like 2013, 2015, and 2018 than it does 2014, 2016, 2017, maybe 2019. We'll see. That would be the comp, right? The the lackluster start and you get going. But Nats have had teams that just never end up firing. And this is kind of sort of felt like one of those teams so far this year. It has. Now, here's the thing. It's not as bad at the moment as 2019 was. Here's the crazy thing. As bad as it sounds, for them to end up 19 and 31 again this year, they have to go two and eight over their next 10. Yeah. Now, you know, God help us if that happens and they're 19 and 31 again. But if they just have a halfway decent homestand coming up and it's a nine game homestand against the Orioles, the Reds and the Brewers, even if you just go 500 in that homestand, you're still in a better position 50 games in than you were in 2019. So that tells you just how low they were in 2019. And like you said, they are being helped out a ton by the division not being what we thought it was going to be. The Braves have issues. They are under 500. The Mets will look great for a week and then collapse for a week. They have tons of injuries and other issues. The Phillies have their issues. So that is the saving grace right now. They can tread water and still be in this. But at some point here, they can't just tread. They need to actually surge. And you would hope that the return of Strasburg and a healthy lineup is going to be enough to make that happen. We need to see it happen now. Here's a homestand. Like I said, three opponents that are not exactly the cream of the crop that they're facing this year. That's an opportunity to maybe turn things around the right direction.
Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that we have baseball. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet on baseball before, now's actually the perfect time to give that a shot because FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. Games on Friday night include the Boston Red Sox at the Philadelphia Phillies at 7.05. Aaron Nola starting for the Phils. Under might be the play in that one. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions that let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109 with it, Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nat Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Hey, Natchat listeners, Tim Shovers here to tell you about Sunday Scaries CBD gummies. If you're someone that struggles with sleeping, I cannot recommend this enough. I've been taking it the past few weeks, and I haven't slept this well in years. Whether you have a racing mind, lying awake at night, or just feel on the verge of a nervous breakdown, Sunday Scaries is always there for you. And I also want to thank everyone that has been using the promo code so far. Got a note from Sunday Scaries, and they said, we've had listener participation. Can't thank you enough. Let's keep it up. Go to sundayscaries.com. Use the promo code NATSCHAT. Get 25% off your first order. That's 25% off your first order at sundayscaries.com with the promo code NATSCHAT. Again, one more time. Go to sundayscaries.com. Put in the promo code NATSCHAT, and you'll save 25% off your first order. So do that for Nat's chat, do that for yourself, and you'll sleep better than you have in years. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And speaking of those opponents, the first of which is the Baltimore Orioles. So I think this is going to be a really interesting series in this way. The Nationals' offense is bad. The Orioles' pitching may well be worse. The Orioles' pitching is horrendous. The Orioles' pitching just got ravaged in a three-game sweep to the Tampa Bay Rays at Camden Yards. The final scores of those games, 13-6, 9-7, and 10-1. Orioles relievers in that series combined to allow 18 runs in 16 innings, and the Nats will not be facing the Orioles' ace, John Means, even though he had a bad start in that three-game sweep to the Rays. So it's a battle of bad versus bad, and the question is, which is worse, the Nationals hitting or the Orioles pitching. Mark, if the Nats don't hit well in this series, and if they don't win at least two or three in this series, then I I think you have real concerns. You should at the very least be able to get fat and happy on this Orioles pitching staff. And uh, if the Nats don't do that, then I think you really have to start to worry. No, you're you're right. I mean, this is a must-win series. I mean, as much as you can call it that, absolutely. They need to prove that they are the superior franchise among the two beltways, which I think any objective observer would say should be the case right now. Maybe a year or two down the line, that might change. But right now, that should not be a question. Now, it's going to be warm. We've seen how the ball does fly differently at Nationals Park over the summer. I think we are not officially in summer yet, but it's going to feel like summertime. And facing a pitching staff that is not looking great on paper, there's an opportunity there. Like I've been saying, hit the ball in the air. See if you can make something happen that way. Hopefully, Strasburg gets off to a good start. I mean, they'll have to watch him. He won't be, uh, you know, full go in that first start, but you would hope he can give him at least five or six innings and win on the strength of your pitching and try to actually score in more than one inning per game. That would be nice, wouldn't it? That sounds like a reasonable ask. The pitching matchups in the series, Steven Strasburg versus Jorge Lopez on Friday night. Lopez has been really bad this year. Uh, Saturday afternoon, 4.05, John Lester versus Bruce Zimmerman. Zimmerman's been bad so far this year. And then Sunday afternoon, 105, Patrick Corbin versus Matt Harvey. Harvey had been a nice story, but he struggled a lot over his last two starts. So, you know, there's really there's no excuse in this series for the Nationals not to hit. We'll see if they end up getting the job done. All right, we want to remind you, t-shirt sales ongoing. The great-looking Nats Chat podcast t-shirts. We are actually sold out of our medium t-shirts. So uh, for those of you who are trying to look all jacked up and order some schmediums, uh, for now, you're going to have to make do with other sizes. But it, it's a great-looking shirt. You can get a look for yourself, and you can order them online. The website is natschatpodcast.square.site. That's natschatpodcast.square.site. Also, we've been asking for listeners to email in voice memos for your takes on the Nationals, your questions uh, on the Nats. If you want to do any tales of Little League uh, via voice memos, you can. Again, just record yourself in your smartphone. Email us, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. But what we have for you on this installment of the Nats Chat Podcast is a special voice memo. It comes to us from the voice of the AAA Rochester Red Wings, Josh Wetzel. So we just made mention of the Nationals farm system. It's not in great shape right now, but that doesn't mean you don't pay attention to it. And remember, among those at AAA for the Nationals, is maybe their best position playing prospect in Luis Garcia. So let's get a report right now from the voice of the Red Wings, Josh Wetzel, on how things are going at AAA Rochester. 
Hey there, this is Josh Wetzel, the broadcaster for the Rochester Red Wings, the new AAA affiliate for the Washington Nationals. Just giving you an update on how the some of the players in the national system are playing right now in AAA, some of the maybe more high-profile prospects, starting with the Wings' leadoff man, Luis Garcia. He's hitting 204 at the moment leading into the game Wednesday afternoon. He does have three home runs including a couple that have let off ball games. Uh, in fact, he's the first Red Wing in a, a few years to have multiple game beginning home runs in the same season. He's playing mostly shortstop, a little bit of second base. You can tell he's an exciting player, and certainly Wings manager Matthew Lecroy is extremely high on him. Uh, he's used the word superstar multiple times in describing the kind of potential he thinks Luis possesses. Carter Keeboom just did his first Home run as a Red Wing on Tuesday night, a line drive bullet into the left field corner. He's had an uneven start to the season because he was on the shelf a little bit in the season opening two-week road trip with a, a quad issue. Has come back, though, now, and unfortunately, Tuesday night after his home run came out of the game because he was feeling under the weather, but he is back in the lineup Wednesday afternoon, which is obviously good news. Jake Knoll has played all over, second base, third base, left field, maybe another position in there as well. He's hitting about 260 with quite a few doubles, so he's been playing well for the Red Wings uh, also. And pitching-wise, Wings have gotten some pretty good pitching so far from the bullpen. Guys like Ron Harper, who Nats fans are familiar with. Justin Miller has pitched well out of the bullpen. Dakota Backus has been effective out of the bullpen. Those are maybe the primary guys that stand out as far as the bullpen is concerned. The starting staff has struggled to this point. The Red Wings uh, have not picked up a win yet from a starting pitcher, and the starting pitching staff, ER is over eight and a half at the moment but there have been a lot of kind of wild numbers quite frankly so far in the early portion of this minor league season so I think things have uh, have yet to really normalize after uh, there was no baseball at all in the minor leagues in 2020 that's kind of an update for now hopefully the news will be a little bit more positive down the road after the wings have gotten off to a little bit of a slow start but it really is just good to have baseball back uh, so far in 2021. All right, Mark, so some good stuff there from Josh Wetzel, the voice of the AAA Rochester Red Wings. He made mention of maybe slash probably the Nats' best position-playing prospect, Luis Garcia. He's not off to a great start in the minor league season, but from like an organizational outlook perspective, Mark, what is kind of the timeline here with Garcia? Is the hope that next season he's an everyday player for the Nationals or not necessarily? I think that's a fair assessment, and uh, the hope would be that after a full year at AAA, and remember, things were weird for him. He had played a bit at AA in 2019, obviously no minor leagues in 2020. They call him up when Starlin Castro breaks his wrist, and so he was just thrown into the fire and had his moments. Clearly was overwhelmed and wasn't ready for that kind of promotion, but you could see the potential there. So I think a, a full year at AAA is good for him, and yeah, I think there's absolutely reason to think that going into 2022, he could be your starting second baseman with potentially, don't want to look this far ahead or scare people off, but maybe he is your shortstop of the future if they can't re-sign Trey Turner. So this is a big year for him to show that he can produce at that level against pitching that is mostly veterans and guys who have big league experience. I think that's important for him. But I also don't want to rule out the possibility. You know, We've been saying how there really isn't anybody waiting in the wings to help this lineup from within. And I think we've reached a point where if Carter Keeboom does it, it will be surprised now. It, it could happen. You never know. But I think that's not in their plans. But I think there is potential if Garcia were to get hot and to show by the middle of the season that he has figured out AAA hitting or pitching that you could maybe call him up and have him maybe share the job at second base with Josh Harrison. That would free Harrison up to play some other positions, give like Kyle Schwarber a day off and play in left field, come off the bench. 
that would be a valuable thing for them to have. So I mean, a long way to go. He still has to prove it, but he's probably the one position player at the upper level of the system right now that you could see helping this team before the season is up, if not in an everyday role, at least in a part-time role. Yeah, would be great to see that. Nats uh, certainly could use that. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter, at Nats underscore chat. You can email us, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 1067 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. The 2-0 pitch. That ball's drilled. Deep right field. Luis Garcia looking for home run number three. He finds it. Yes, sir.